Welcome to the Calling the Quarters podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. This is Season 2, Episode 6. Today I'm speaking with Charles Harrington, who has been reading, teaching, and loving tarot for 25 years. He is the author of Guidebooks for the Murder of Crows Tarot, Fenric Pinter Tarot, Tarot V from Los Carabo, and the new Tarot of the Vampires. His love of the cards and connecting with other readers has manifested in co-hosting podcasts, teaching at conferences, and leading meetups in the San Francisco Bay Area. In his free time, he loves to find new and strange ways to use the cards in pursuit of wisdom, fun, and the occasional free cocktail. I really enjoy getting a chance to talk to Charles, and I think you're going to enjoy listening to our conversation. I'm going to take you to that now. Welcome to the Calling the Quarters podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. This is Season 2, Episode 6. Today I'm speaking with Charles Harrington, who has been reading, teaching, and loving tarot for 25 years. He is the author of the new tarot deck, The Tarot of the Vampires. Charles, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me, Dean. It's such a pleasure to be here, and I'm really excited to talk with you today. I'm very excited to talk to you, too. Now, are you from here in the Bay Area, or where are you from originally? And, and yep. um... I've lived in the Bay Area my whole life, uh, the East Bay. And, you know, for a very brief period, I went to uh, uh, college in San Jose, but I have not gotten far, as you can tell, from from the Bay. Very nice. Um what what time um when did you kind of start when did you get into um paganism when did you kind of like have a realization that you were pagan yeah that's an interesting question it it happened gradually for me and actually for me uh tarot was sort of the safer gateway i grew up lutheran and i went to a baptist junior high so i had a lot of thoughts about rapture Hi. I am so sorry. I guess my totally internet good. went out all of a sudden. <laughs> okay. Well, that happens when sometimes. I, I'll take that question from the top. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Paganism for me uh, was a gradual process. I had a Christian upbringing, um, uh, although my, my parents are lovely about it and never pushed too much any of that. But I also went to a Baptist junior high. So I was a little scared of everything, uh, everything paganism. It, it, I was very attracted to it at a young age and everything witchy, but it was a long time before I really allowed myself to get into it. Uh, at 15, I did buy a deck of tarot cards. That was sort of a gateway for me uh, to be a practitioner and to sort of go cool turkey and dip my toes in. Uh, I didn't allow myself to fully practice paganism until I was uh, just starting college, about the age of 19. I was using um, Cunningham's... Uh, uh, guide to the for the solitary practitioner and i did my first ritual which was there's the early in that book there's a uh sort of a decla declaration or um yeah. it's, not a, it's not the initiation it's the uh before that what is um dedication the dedication yeah, yeah, yeah. ritual yeah and shortly after that i found uh a tradition in the bay area to uh teach me more and i i uh, became a practicing a sort of eclectic Wiccan uh, soon after. And it's been 20 years of wonderful magic since. Um, you know, without being specific, um, mm -hmm. you know, for a lot of people, I know that I waited for years to belong to a coven. And I, I think I didn't finally uh, get to belong to one until I was pagan for several years. But not everybody gets to, and many people don't. Did you find it changed things for you a little bit to belong to a coven? 
It, it absolutely did. I am such an extrovert, which is very weird in the tarot world. Uh, a little less weird in paganism, but I am an extrovert. And it really was helpful for me uh, to be in a group. Um, and in pop culture, in all witch pop culture, it seems, covens are usually kind of bad. And the the, the hero of the story is a gifted um natural solitary witch and like working with a coven is always bad and that's that's an interesting narrative to do in fiction but yeah. i've had a wonderful experience in the this is the various groups that i've joined I, um i'm still in the same coven 22 uh some odd years after uh initiating into it and um 19 years since initiating into it and uh, I've that's quite impressive actually <laughs> it's it's uh so the thing about being in Coven is uh, the interpersonal piece of it is so important. It's not just the lore and having your book of shadows and knowing the rituals. It's you have to uh, understand group dynamics. And I was very fortunate. My high priestess was versed in group dynamics. And there's an incredible book my Coven later read by Starhawk called The Empowerment Manual. Have you read? Are you familiar with that? No, I, I missed that one. It's about consensus-based groups. Starhawk wrote it after like the uh, Occupy Wall Street movement kind of got going. Mm -hmm. And if if your coven's having any troubles, if, if anyone listening to this, uh, it is an incredible resource for how to uh, work through any difficulties and any challenges. I think things like that are so important. And unfortunately, a lot of groups miss that. And I think it's really good to know about resources like that. And something mm -hmm. um, I think I want to help, you know, really tout that. Uh, have you, you know, it sounds like your parents are pretty positive about your spiritual path. Have you ever had any negative consequences from being pagan? You know, uh, not, not too bad. I, I was, I sometimes reflect on how weird I was as like a teenager in an early twenties and uh without realizing it you know i thought i was everything i was into was kind of cool and um like including like tarot and witchcraft and later i realized like oh that's odd uh living in the bay area i've been very fortunate and also in the kind of job that i've had i work in communications which is uh vastly like public relations very like vastly female dominated space which is wonderful yeah. I've never had anyone give me any uh, trouble for being uh, pagan. It's always been celebrated. People get excited that I know tarot cards, you know, um, uh, they want a reading, they want to hear more. And I've uh, always had wonderful experiences being like out of the quote unquote broom closet yeah. uh, in this area. So I want to ask you, um, I want to talk to you about uh you did meetups for pagans in the Bay area. Can you talk a little about that and what your time was like doing that? Yeah. So, um, my tradition, uh, the order of the sacred grove, uh, what used to host some merry meets, um, was we call them because we like puns and <laughs> we, uh, part of it sort of started as like, you know, we just every once in a while needed to find apprentices and so we would host events uh, where we would teach something or and get together with local pagans. And then uh, I met other people in this area doing similar things um, throughout the years. And I've hosted, I was really into hosting um, free tarot workshops um, every month at a local pagan store for many years. And uh, I also hosted a uh circle for the goddess Isis and it's always been important for me that people have a place to go within paganism or tarot to get together with others that has a really low bar uh for them and uh these were free events which helps people you know just dive in dip into it and I'm not opposed to people charging for memberships to things, people charging yeah. memberships or any, any of that. Uh, there's a solid reason for that, but also just um, it helps create community to have a space for people to show up and try something out and just having it be a free space uh, really contributed to that community feeling. And after a couple of years, my uh, tea and tarot meetup in the Bay area was just, it really felt uh 
it had that kind of family-like quality that a coven can grow to have. You have a very nice speaking voice, and I think it's no accident that you have been a co-host in some podcasts. Can you talk about those podcasts a little bit? It's very good. And as a matter of fact, I, I, I'm trying to realize, am I trying to deep? Sometimes I deepen my voice a little bit when I know I'm being <laughs> recorded and I uh, try and sound like Kevin Conroy. But um, <laughs> I had um, some fun doing two podcasts. Uh, one of them is still going. I'm not on it anymore. Uh, Tarot Visions which oh. uh, is a tarot podcast um, hosted by the amazing Rose Red. And you can find that wherever uh, fine podcasts are sold. But, uh, <laughs> and then um, we were, I also briefly was one, on one called uh, Amethyst Oracle, pig, uh, Divination with a Queer Twist. So it's a purely divination podcast. So they're both. Yeah. Um, I think for, for myself and Rose, one of the secrets was like, a great way to get to talk to tarot people to tarot leaders and luminaries is to say hey can i interview you and um we get to get to talk to all your heroes and just ask them questions for an hour um and that is what that was a lot of fun and we also got to do sometimes i think we, especially tarot um lends itself really well to a podcast in that well no it's terrible for podcasts no one can see the cards but if you get past that um, sometimes you just want to try different stuff and a podcast format lets you do it. For example, uh, Rose Red and I wanted to try how, how much better or worse do we get reading tarot cards, the drunker we got. And so we got <laughs> to just, we turned the mic on and oh I made my ties, the original recipe. And we, we, we drank those and we kind of came to the conclusion that about two and a half my ties in, we are we had this hit the sweet spot between openness and articulation <laughs> and uh, <laughs> much 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 beyond that it's not not so great um but what's wild is that i mean i've read tar tarot cards in bars before but when you go back and listen to yourself you're like oh okay that's the point in which this became less useful if you can't pronounce the word hierophant i think it's time to stop yeah, right that's that's a good that's a good litmus test yeah have you when you said at 15, you, uh, you got your first set of tarot cards. Did you feel like yeah. an instant affinity for divination? You know, um, I think that I did. I, okay. There was a computer game way back called quest for glory shadows of darkness. It was in a series in a series and, uh, the in computer games, divination is a great way to lead the player around and they had these highly complex tarot card readings in there because the creators are tarot readers themselves and i felt like once i got my first tarot deck that like based on just just having played that game i could read about half the cards in the deck and um i picked up my first tarot, tarot deck um the aquarian tarot uh, at a game store like a like a board game store in the mall when I was 15 and uh, I've loved it ever since. Um, and you may, I, I think you asked like, do I, do I have an affinity for it? Um, some people I know like they are just clairvoyant and they can dream true and they, they just have absolute faith in that. Uh, for me, I love reading tarot and I love reading tarot predictively. Um, yeah. And I think the older I got some doubts started to creep in and my method of dealing with that, I just keep testing the tarot and keep recording my successes and failures just to keep me honest about it. I still read tarot predictively um, uh, because it seems to work. You've been teaching tarot for several years. Do you have any tips for people that are looking into uh, exploring tarot? I do. Um, one of the, okay, there's so many books on there that tell you, yeah. um, about the cards and I, I actually um tarot books have come such a long way when i was when i was starting out we had the little white book <laughs> the lwb and i it would it would every tarot deck came with this tiny tiny little pamphlet and it would have one sentence about like upright and one sentence about reversed meanings so you'd read you'd be like three of three of wands and you'd get to it and it would be like uh enterprise fidelity uh, communications searching for so, and something like that and you're like a snippet and it was a it's a publishing restriction uh because you know that was what they could include at the time that they, they couldn't print anything bigger than that um yeah. i'm so thankful that today uh tarot uh guidebooks have come so far and so you pretty much 
for most decks out there, you no longer get the little white book. You get, uh, in the case of Tarot of the Vampires, you get a full color, big book with a full page dedicated to each card, which is still, that's still limiting, but it's a lot better. Um, and Los Carabeo decks also come with a pretty robust guidebook. So one is um, read the book, read the manual, um, because I think we a lot of people sort of stress in just purely an intuitive tarot. It's really easy to teach and it's good and it, it has its place, but um, read the guidebook. Also, um, when you're looking for uh, if you go to a bookstore and they have several books on tarot, my recommendation is to pick a random card and not one of the main ones. Like, you know, like a pick a minor arcana card, the three of cups, something. Um, read the description for that card in different books. And the book for you is the one that's going to make sense to you. It's the one that the, where the author's position on life is going to resonate with what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, going to go in. Um, my other... So many of these. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it tight, and you can let me know if you need it. If you want any more, um, the tarot journal is so important for several reasons. It can be electronic. It can be a fancy journal. I like purchasing fancy journals, and I like using them. Um, but what writing your reading down does is it forces you to give yourself a full reading, like you would for another person. Sometimes right. you're, like, you're like, okay, should I do this thing? Turn of cards. Okay, hierophant. Yes. Okay, three of cups. Mm -hmm. All right, queen of swords. All right, yeah. And you sort of know, but when you re when you have to write out the meaning in like like in the past, you know, three of cups, you know, it makes you give yourself fully the kind of reading you would give someone else. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. You've been part of writing um, pamphlets for tarot decks and you've created a tarot deck. Did you ever think, you know, when you were um, starting out that you would, or along the way even, did you ever think that one day you would produce your own tarot deck or have a part in creating them? Oh man, I did not. And it's funny, there was kind of a period in the early 2000s where like, it felt like every tarot reader of a certain level was supposed to have their own tarot deck. And yeah. um, we were all making them out of collage back then, <laughs> unless you were really good at Photoshop. Um, and I just... Um, didn't think I had a full deck in me. Like I didn't have anything to say about this. And what happened was I was corresponding with a friend of mine who uh, later became my editor. And she, I, we were talking about, she was showing me a, 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 a tarot card image for a deck she just got. And I wrote kind of a lengthy write-up about what I thought of the art. It was, um, you know, why it was a version of the moon card. And like, it's so interesting. They capture kind of the modern and the, the uh, older style version interpretation of the moon and how they did this and her hand in this and she just wrote back with one sentence like have you ever thought about writing a tarot deck and i immediately said no 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 i just don't have like one you know concept of the entire universe that needs to be explored in this big way philosophically and she replied hey, I will, i'll never forget this she played oh that's not what we want we want to we're working this is for llewellyn she's like we're looking to do a cat tarot or a vampire tarot that's what we want and in that moment, I was like, I can do this because um, I know from vampires, I've, I'm such a vampire fan for forever. And um, I knew what kind of deck I wanted to see that hadn't been created yet. There's so many good vampire decks out there and there's a few not so good, but there, there's a few of them and they, they'd all cover different spaces, but um uh, most vampire decks, uh, they cover kind of what I think of as like the Carpathian vampire or like the Victorian vampire, sort of yeah. like pre Dracula, pre-Dracula, women in long gowns running away from pale vampires and everything's like in crumbling castles and shrouds. And um, what that leaves out is sort of modern vampire fiction, uh, sort of post- post Anne Rice, sort of post um, Laurel K. Hamilton vampire fiction. And I had the great fortune, I hope it's okay to talk about this now. I had the great fortune to have attended a workshop at Pantheacon by the late, great Margot Adler. Oh yeah. Who, yeah. She up. Uh, so your listeners probably know her from her book, uh, Drawing Down the Moon, which is an yeah. incredible book and changed paganism forever. Yeah. Um, 
it's an incredible book, but she had, uh, her husband had passed away recently uh, at the time. And to deal with that, she, in the course of like a year or two, read something like 300 vampire novels. Wow. And yeah, you know. That's like, a lot, yeah. It was a lot. It was um, several hundred uh, vampire novels, I think, and um, over a couple of years. And she had kind of formulated the theory of what she referred to as the moral vampire, which is um, in... How do I put this? Um, okay, I, should, I know how to put this. I read about this. <laughs> okay, in um, in modern vampire fiction, uh, you have the good vampire for the you know pre Anne Rice, the vampire was the villain. It's the monster; it had to be killed, right? And then you have like Louis or Lestat or um, something like I love True Blood. So you have like Jessica and Bill, these characters who are very powerful and very dangerous, trying hard to be moral. And that is a wonderful metaphor for modern humans. We are very powerful. We have a lot of access. Technology has made us live a long time and get things yeah. easily. But we also drain the planet and each other and ourselves and, and ourselves um, easily. And there is a concept that we need to like be careful and we need to be thoughtful in this world that we've created that we have so much power over. So her concept, and it's an incredible book. It's actually, uh, she wrote a book about this uh, called Vampires Are Us. It's not my favorite title. But Vampires Are Us uh, has both her theory of the moral vampire and uh, also her reviews of all of those books that she read. So if you're into vampire fiction, it's an incredible resource if you're looking for new books uh, to, to get her take on them. She's very thoughtful. And also... I really think that her um, her theory of the modern vampire explains kind of the appeal that shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer have and why they um, resonate so strongly with us today. Um, so that so that's a very long way of saying, uh, no, I didn't expect to be writing a tarot guidebook. And what I really didn't expect was, so I created a pitch for Tarot of the Vampires and what I wanted to be, you know, what all 78 cards would include and all of that. And we can dive into that maybe later. But uh, Los Scarabeo, which is another wonderful tarot publisher, reached out to Barbara to find a writer for uh, their uh, deck that they were creating called uh, Murder of Crows Tarot. Yeah. And Barbara wasn't available, but she passed me along. So before Tarot of the Vampires was created, I actually did several other guidebooks for other decks. Um, it's a very different process. I mean, we can talk about the difference of the process later, but it's a very different process. And it is weird this day that I have like, I have a, a page on Amazon for my guidebooks and for the decks that I've worked on together with others. I mean, it's a, you get it, you've done a considerable amount. I mean, it's, it's not just a couple, it's like a, you know, you've, you've, you've done, you know, quite a few uh, tarot guidebooks. I, yeah, it's fun. Um, so Tarot of the Vampires is like my baby from like beginning to end. Uh, yeah. And in partnership with Craig Moore, we co-parented that deck uh, and we made all the decisions. For Los Carabeo decks, it's a very different process. Uh, they send you an art file. They've completed the art for every single card. There's no changing any of it. And go. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they will give you like a hint. And that is... Helpful. It's it's there's frustrating things about that, but they do not want to get in the way of the the creator's process, the right the writer's process for working the cards. And here's what's wild to me. Um, so you go to if you've ever gone to a tarot conference or a uh, and you take tarot workshops, there's all of these like skills they'll have you do, or um, or some books will have you do to try and interrogate a tarot card that maybe you're having trouble with. So there's like be a character in the scene how does that go what's smelling what are you going on if this card was a color if this card was a job what if this card all of those skills they're like you never when you're reading for someone one-to-one -one, you're not like often drawing on all of those but they've helped you know it's like doing old crunches and sit-ups and push-ups you know before a sporting event i guess um but when you're writing a tarot guidebook, all of those skills come into play. You have to like, because you have to imagine that this card could be pulled for any situation, for any question, in any position. 
and what you have to um, find something to say about that card that a uh, is true to the tradition that it's in and all of the, the, the pretty much all the uh, tarot decks I've worked on have been in the Rider Waite Smith tradition. It has to be marry the, the meaning with the art. Um, I think we've all maybe experienced like looking at a guidebook and reading uh, and looking at the card again, looking at the guidebook and being like, I don't think these two yeah. <laughs> go together. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And you're like, wow. So no, that, that can't happen. Cause then like, then you haven't guided them anywhere. Right. And so it has to do that and it has to be um, broadly applicable. So sometimes you've read a guidebook and the, the, the meaning seems to like be very certain that your finances are in play and there's like an, a financial investment that you have to make. And you're like, I'm just asking about like the family reunion. Like I'm not trying to invest in anything, you know? So yeah, um, I think it has to do those three things really well. Um, and if it's a theme deck like Tarot of the Vampires or actually any of the ones I've worked on could probably be considered themed decks. Um, it has to use the theme to help the reader uh give it you know, connect with the divination and so uh just an example like um with with vampires there's certain things we know about vampires they have right. there are certain powers and stories so uh they can turn into mist for example okay where in the writer Waite smith does turning into mist help the reader and for me um i think of the page of swords as kind of a a sneaky character they kind of get in and uh, behind the scenes and check things out and, and look for, for secrets. And for me, that was where that ability would be a useful way for like the reader to piggyback of their, off of their vampire knowledge uh, to better understand the tarot card meaning. Does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah. How, how did, so um, did, did, you would just start off collaborating with Craig Marr or did he already have oh. a lot of designs created? Yeah, no. So, um, so I came in, I was the very beginning. So I, uh, for right. Tarot of the Vampires, I wrote a script for 78 cards, um, kind of a brief one. And, you know, uh, a woman seated with two Panthers on a, you know, Shay's launch, you know, uh, she's got a, she's holding an onk staff, blah, blah, blah. She looks like uh, Justine Baker, the dancer uh kind of thing and then we uh barbara moore my editor and i got to look at different she would find different artists portfolios um and for the kind of deck i was writing i needed someone who could draw amazing people um someone who could draw animals realistically which is hard and could draw full scenes um not just characters but full full scenic uh illustrations and we tried a different a few different um, we looked, looked at a few different people and it just kind of like, okay, that could be fine. And I saw Craig Mars art and I was like, this guy, this guy gets it. I, I love that he drew beautifully diverse characters. Um, uh, not just you know, one racially diverse, different ages, different, different everything. And um, two, sometimes you get a tarot deck and everyone has what we call same face, you know, yeah. like all the women look the same in the tarot deck and all the, and um that can happen in vampire decks, right? When like, there's like, when everybody's pale and tragic, um, he knew how to make really diverse uh, people come alive in his art. And so I was like, ah, match made in heaven. Luckily he said yes to the project. And here's what's amazing. Um, for a tarot writer, uh, I'm, not a tar I'm not an illustrator. I don't have that skill. So I would write something and Craig knew how to take what I was thinking and um, writing about and like present it uh, in a in a in a portrait format, right? Like most people think in landscape, I think. And we I think of a scene. I'm imagining a scene. He knew how to get all of the elements just right in that. Um, excuse me, in that um, in that way. Uh, and of course, so many things that. Uh, that are in the cards came from Craig and not from me. And uh, like, like he would. Sorry, hang on. I'm. No, it's good. Can we, we can edit. Okay. We can edit anything okay, out. Hang too. on. Okay, hang on. I'm just gonna take a glass of water. I think I'm getting kind of. So Craig um, would has it. 
So as the writer for the tarot deck, I, you know, come up with these scenes. I have kind of a vague idea of what it looks like, or in my head, I have an idea of what it looks like, but Craig knows how to present visual storytelling in a way that I just don't. And he would capture all of what I'm trying to do and like take it to the next level with the characters. And I think people think in scenes, like horizontal, kind of scenic, like you're watching a movie. And the tarot cards are in these t- this tall, you know, portraity kind of format. And Craig so beautifully could get all of the elements arranged perfectly in each of these things. And also um, uh, he, sometimes I think I diverged more from the Rider-Waite-Smith than I thought. And Craig was great about keep making sure some of those familiar elements um, that people would be looking for um, appear in the card. Just as an example, um, I think the three of wands in my deck, it's this vampire and she's using this. Uh, the, the wands suit are vampires who use blood magic. So she's created like three incense sticks that she's using and uh, the smoke to entice her next victim. And he's sort of behind her breathing in the smoke. And uh, he, when, in his notes, he had made the incense burner into a boat because, you know, the uh, like a, a Egyptian boat sort of shape because he, you know, knew people, some tarot readers would be looking for that. And I was really pre- appreciated that. And then sometimes uh, as the writer, I have a, an idea, but I don't, like I would go into my editor. I had the, the idea for the strength card. Uh, vampires must always sort of be a, a moral vampire. The hero vampire is always struggling against their hunger. Um, they do not want to just be an animal. And in the strength in the tarot, often we see the woman closing the mouth of the lion and having that power over inner saboteur. But my idea, it was this blood hunger and that the the woman in the strength card would show like in her chest, like a lion's face made of blood. And I remember writing to my editor and being, well, how the hell would anyone do that? That sounds, re- that sounds like crazy. Like, I, I can't even imagine. She's like, that's Craig's job. Good Craig can do it. And he did a phenomenal job with that card. It just, the, uh, the animalistic rage from the strength card, it kind of pouring out and, um, uh, there was other another card that was a favorite of mine is the four of wands is uh, a vampire in a club at night and she can hear everyone's heartbeats and she everyone's vein hearts and veins are glowing through their chests and I was trying to figure out how you would stage this I would like take like a sketch paper and just like try and put stick figures of where how could and I didn't know what I was doing and again Barbara was like we trust Craig on this. And he did a phenomenal job of capturing that scene and making sure some of the hearts are absolutely super detailed. Some of them are implied in that card. And so it does look like the thumpa thumpa music of the club is these beating glowing hearts that the vampire is aware of. And um, uh, so it's incredible to get to work with an illustrator. Um, See, when you're not alone anymore and it just, you have, you have a partner. Uh, And also, um, it keeps the tarot deck from being too much just one person's vision. And yeah. um, I remember when we were working on the the cards, I was just reaching out to Craig and like, is there anything you think we're missing? And he felt that we'd had probably we had a lot of like modern vampire fiction. Most of the vampires look human. They pass as human. Their fangs aren't out all the time. And we kind of mastered that with these beautiful vampires. But he was kind of interested in exploring more the monstrous side of the vampires. Yeah. Uh, like bestial kind of things. And so several cards were changed after that to kind of, uh, in particular, the devil card. Um, I'd written yeah. it sort of like, uh, it's a vampire lord who's, instead of chains, he's sort of offering his blood to the two main characters in the Major Arcana. And uh, they'd appear in The Fool. And um, he looked, I, I'd written him as sort of like, I thought I was being subtle that, you know, there, there's that famous painting of Vlad Sepesh who became yeah. Vlad Dracula that we all think of with a crazy mustache. And I was just like, I'd written it to be like him if he was alive today and kind of a hard rock kind of guy. And Craig was like, I think we go more in this. And he created this like bat creature, ancient kind of, I think that like, came from like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and other areas. Yes. And, uh, yeah. I was thinking that too. Yeah. Yeah. There's this idea that if you're a vampire long enough, you sort of become uh, more uh, unhuman and uh, yeah. also uh I, i'd say in um 
Bram Stoker's Dracula or with Gary Oldman, he can turn yeah. into these creatures. So that devil card is way more nightmarish because he uh, um, had the sense that like there wasn't enough monstrous uh, vampire representation in the deck. He was absolutely right. Um, and then also some cards, he would um, take them in a different direction. I, I had in the two of cups, a, a mortal offering his wrist to a vampire. And I had that she looked pensive and he looks uh, confident. And Craig switched that, very smart. Because the, the two of cups is about vulnerability and a human offering their blood to the vampire. That's the vulnerable position, not the other way around. Yeah. So uh, that process was wonderful to get to have on on Terror of the Vampires. And it's very much him co-creating that world with me. Um, and when, but working on a guidebook for Los Carbeo, you don't have that. Um, you are using all of your tarot skills and uh, to create a uh, the guidebook and to figure out the cards and to interrogate each card. And that's also a wonderful process and it allows um, some, it, it, it also has an element of there, the artist has a vision, the writer has a vision and you're kind of marrying the two yeah. to have the create the final deck. With the tarot, with the codex of the vampires, in the Tarot of the Vampires, I really got a sense that you were writing this as a love letter to everybody who's ever gotten a tarot deck and really hated the book that they got that came with it. Because this has everything that you want. This has like, you know, basically an introduction to the history of tarot, which, you know, isn't always on in those. It has different spreads. And then you really go over the cards in it too, which again, you don't always get. Some of them will do like, this is the wands and this is the cups, you know, and that kind of thing. So do you want to talk about it? Because it really seemed that you you were writing this for people who love tarot decks. I, yes. So here's here's a wacky statistic for you. Um, eight out of every 10 tarot decks purchased are someone's first tarot deck. Yeah. So most people have one deck, right? And uh, most people who buy a tarot deck, especially when you're starting out, you don't have a, bun a whole library uh, of things. You're not going on the internet. So the tarot book, sorry the tarot guidebook has to be complete in its information and it has to give you information in a way that um is going to work in the real world and um not just be theoretical or esoteric and yeah. those things are wonderful but look i i'm really fortunate that i waited you know um 20 something years into my tarot reading career before writing a guidebook because i just didn't have the knowledge for a long time that uh of what just what it's what it's really like when someone sits down um but also um tarot guidebooks are fun in that in the, the sense that people tend not to read them cover to cover they might read the opening sections that are like what is tarot or what is a spread but then they're gonna go card you know one at a time like okay i got the king of wands in my reading i'm gonna look that up so i can't count on the reader having read the section on wands or the section on kings like it has to be presented again fresh in that moment and and clearly and they um they all have to work together so the king of so just uh if you look at like for example just the court cards and the codex of the vampires it's a little formulaic and that's intentional so that if you're reading if you're learning the court cards the same kind of information you know what what what's this vampire doing but also what are kings like what are one what happens when a, you are the king of wands in particular how does this you know and boom 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 and that information is similar you know for each of the court cards so that it's consistent and hopefully coherent for the reader does that make sense absolutely i love I the artwork that. too because i thought the artwork was just um each one of the cards was very three-dimensional in the fact that you read it and you kind of get drawn into it a little bit. And I really love that. There was no like repetition here where anything kind of looked like anything else. Each one almost kind of inspires a story and there seemed to almost be kind of a story or a series of stories. I could see this like making a hell of a, of a book series. Did that kind of come to you at all when you were looking at the artwork? Oh, I'm really, so one, I'm really glad you said that uh, Two, um, the not having repetition, I think that like that was important for us because there's a lot of um, 
in vampire lore, there are certain things that kind of appear over and over and that were going to appear a couple times on cards. And it was important that like, every time you see a coffin in the deck, it needed to be different. So just, I'm just thinking the four of, uh, the four of one, sorry, it's the four of swords and the four of pentacles both have coffins on them, but they look very, very different be, uh, for this reason that they, because one, the pentacles one has to seem very pentacles. It's like a steampunk trap device that keep yeah. like a vault keeping everyone out. Whereas in the four of swords, it's a glass coffin. It's, it's open. It's, it's uh, a little lighter and breezier and sh she can leave when she wants. Um, so one that's uh, that, uh, Craig did just a phenomenal job of making all the characters look different and um, making sure that, you know, they, uh, ever, that most people are going to find themselves in this deck somehow. And then two, uh, so for the, and then the story, some texts tell stories across like the, a suit will tell one story. Um, the, uh, the Necronomicon did this, the Tarot Art Nouveau did this, um, the Mythic Tarot did this. And we didn't want to go that, that can be a little limiting um, if it's too strictly done, but I wanted to tell the story of, the, so the Major Arcana, I think a lot of people know it's called the fool's journey and the, the idea is the fool starts out at zero and innocent and then goes through all these different uh, spiritual initiations and processes um, to become the world so i thought that was a cool story and i wanted to tell the story of a young woman becoming a powerful vampire uh and so she, she appears on certain cards with the fool and she meets her vampire love in the fool and she uh they interact across a couple cards in the death card it's her dying and being reborn he's about to give her his blood um and then they are at the the i don't know at the they're imperiled in, in, in <laughs> by the uh the, the devil card and they rise up and um this is not a spoiler i think uh in the judgment card they slay him and she is sort of uh a fully capable my ideal ma uh, moral vampire per the margot adler model and we kind of the 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 simple symbolism we use throughout the deck is uh lilies and um roses uh, lilies representing mortality and vulnerability and roses representing like the passion and the vampire and and that's also a, a they're a, they're a key uh, tarot symbol that one of the few that kind of made it into the deck um as far as telling a story there's a so they have she has a particular story but everyone else i wanted to keep really open and i think that tarot so vampire fans uh will be able to see some of these cards and imagine the stories for these characters and one of the reasons uh the that the fool character isn't in all of the major arcana is i think it's really important for people to have a lot of different characters for them to interact with and fall in love with and their favorite might not be uh, those two so and often in vampire shows the lead has to be you know so so everything for the story that like usually it's the the side characters we fall in love with yeah. so it was important to have lots of those characters and to have like lots of different vampires um it's also important for us so whenever you read a new vampire novel Somewhere at the beginning, a vampire explains like, oh, no, we can't turn into mist. That's ridiculous. We don't turn into bats. That's ridiculous. And they, they have to, because an author telling a story has to create certain limitations for their world. And um, all of the vampire, uh, you know, uh, abilities won't work. It might, they'd be too powerful. Um, Dracula is crazy powerful in that book. So in our world, uh, I think Craig and I decided, oh, no, all of the powers exist, but not all the vampires have them. So it was, uh, we wanted to play on different kinds of vampire fiction. So there's psychic vampires in the deck. There's like nightmare vampires in the deck. There's uh, different different kinds of vampires uh, so that we could be representing a lot of different types of vampire fiction. Do you have any favorite um, vampire films or books? Yeah, you know, okay. Um, I, my the, one, the first one that always comes to mind is um, Blood Sucking Fiends by Christopher Moore. Yeah, that's um, a good one. He's a great one. Uh, so it's, a, it's a, for the Bay Area. Uh, it takes place there. I think the, there's, a, there's a trilogy. The first one is my favorite. Um, and that has a... Um, actually, that's where my Four of Wands kind of comes from. There's a moment. So Jody, 
is a young woman who's kind of made, been made into a vampire and she's trying to make sense of it. And there's a point at which she really embraces it. And that's what we hope to capture in the four of wands. So I, I love it as a vampire story. It's light, it's silly, it's wacky. Um, but in terms of, um, I am a big fan of the Anne Rice Chronicles. They are, they are weighty tomes. Um, but they are, they're, I think they're pretty important. I always liked the, uh, the fiction associated with the role-playing game, uh, Vampire the Masquerade. Oh yeah. So I've, I love, I love, uh, that, that was helpful when, when you need a lot of different vampires, like the different vampire clans from the Masquerade were helpful. And um, in terms of movies, um, okay, I really, really love the Coppola, Bram Stoker's Dracula, 100%. But I also love how that movie is, um, or that story, rather, um, has been reinvented in the modern age. And it's kind of wild. Uh, in the guidebook, I talk a little bit about shadow, shadow work, like Jungian shadow work. Yeah. Where, so the vampire is always um, a, a powerful way that every culture uh projects its shadow its fears and it's um whatever's uh it, it everything it, it it finds unbearable about itself it projects it into its vampires so famously uh bram stoker's dracula uh you have the count is a european west uh, sorry, uh, an eastern european aristocrat you know who's bringing literal tainted boxes of dirt uh to merry old england and he's preying on virtuous women and that's uh if you know about the history of England at the, you know, at the, around the turn of the 18th to 19th, uh, sorry, the 19th to 20th century, you know, that like England was an imperialist country invading yeah. other places, taking over. Uh, and it had a real issue with sexuality. And in London, one out of six women is working in some sort of sex, some sort of sex work. And uh, so all of that is interesting to me uh, as how like he is their shadow. And then, um, Dracula has been was recreated twice in the last two years. Uh, once for The Invitation, which is an amazing film, uh, where he there in that one the vampire is the he's a sensitive guy. He's a loving guy who really gets into the the lead character's head, and he's he's anti racist and he's he's feminist, you know. And you're like, oh, I'm 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 on board, and then it turns out, oh, he's Dracula, <laughs> and it was all an act. So it's the sort of the 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 white savior kind of pretender guy and then um i have to say uh renfield i don't know if you've gotten to see renfield with not yet i want to yeah that in that great. one the premise without giving anything away um nicholas holt plays renfield and nicholas cage plays an amazing scenery scenery chewing dracula um in that one the uh the the vampire is a narcissist and nicholas holt is going to a support group for people who are in, in around narcissists and toxic people and i think that's a really useful metaphor for our time like a shadow for our time because we, we are obsessed with the idea of narcissists and obsessed with the idea of like toxic people uh you know and and their effects on us but also we live in kind of a narcissistic age and social media has made us feel very very good very important and like we're all supposed to be like telling everybody about ourselves so um, I find that I just love the way that new new vampire films find our shadow, find our cultures, various shadows, and explore mental health, queer storylines, um, uh, just women women's sexuality in a big, big, big way since the beginning, um, uh, using the vampire as this powerful symbol. Now that the vampire's tarot is out, or sorry, now that the tarot of the vampires is out, mm -hmm. um, what's next for you? You know, this deck has been like four years in the making, and I'm so excited wow. that it's out. Yeah, I wrote. The, I can the, see I that wrote... though. That makes mm -hmm. sense. I'm glad because like it, it seems like it's something that took that long. It is. Uh, so like that's from the, the very first pitch, and you know, uh, Craig took took incredible care with the artwork, and we were very collaborative. Uh, oh, sorry. We would work together. I mean, his, his uh, senses are amazing. Anyway, he does fantastic work on the cards. So it took a long time, yeah, four years later. So I am excited to take a long breather. Um, I do have a couple of projects I've been working on. Um, I'm working on I don't, uh, Llewellyn's tarot calendars. Oh, nice. Uh, it's kind of like the witch's calendar. Uh, um, sort of like a mini essay every month. So I'm, I'm working on the 2025 tarot calendar. They're a lot of fun. And they're um, if you have a tarot practice, you want to 
change things up. There's all kinds of cool spreads or things for you to try every month to 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 create some variance in your in your tarot life. It's really good. Uh, the the their line, not mine. We'll see about mine. Uh, so I'm excited for that. I'm excited uh, to just sort of see how during this spooky season people embrace the vampires. So my my focus is still there. I, I, I'm trying to promote it a little more. Um, but I hope that people, as as the nights grow longer, <laughs> you know, uh, um, have fun with the vampires this season. I think they will. And I recommend anybody that uh, is shopping for a new tarot deck to pick this one up. You're going to really love it. Charles, thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate you getting a chance to talk with me today. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure, Dean. That was my conversation with Charles Harrington, author of The Tarot of the Vampires. Next week, we'll be speaking with Laurel Woodward with their new book, Wellness Witchery, a Magical Approach to Nourishing the Body, Mind, and Spirit. Until then, I hope you have a blessed week.